I'm Dominic Fracasa, and this is Fifth in Mission. The 2020 holiday season has coincided with what public health experts have long feared could be a dark winter for the pandemic. Hospitalizations were already on the rise before Thanksgiving. They're up nearly 40% over the prior week. And if things continue at this rate, the healthcare system could be crushed under the weight of new cases. Joining me now to talk about what's to come is Chronicle staff writer Aaron Alday. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Dom. How are you doing? So, Aaron, leading up to Thanksgiving, you know, I think health officials did just about whatever they could to more or less beg people not to travel, to stay home, to not mingle different households. Um, It's still early, but is there any sign of whether people actually took their advice? I don't think we know that yet. Um, We do know, you know, there were a lot of people traveling this year. Um, The early stuff I've seen showed that traveling was down. And I'm mostly talking about national numbers. Um, So, you know, it was down from prior prior years, but still a lot of people out there traveling. Um, You know, we're kind of looking at two different situations here. One is the sort of national surge. um, And God only knows what's going to happen with that, with the holidays, just because the messaging has been so different. And then, of course, you know, on a very micro level, what's happening here in the Bay Area. Um, I don't get the sense there was necessarily a lot of travel in and out of the Bay Area. There was some, um, but not necessarily a a ton. So it really comes down to, though, what's been a big driver of cases um, regionally, which is just these these small social gatherings, um, which, you know, it's not people traveling necessarily here. I mean, they definitely don't want people doing that. That's a huge problem. But it's really even just just having small gatherings, you know, with people in the region driving to each other's houses. Um, these sort of small uh, Thanksgiving celebrations that they were worried about. Um, And I just don't think we'll know what comes of that until the numbers start rolling in. And that won't be, you know, the earliest signal we might get from that would be mid next week, maybe the end of next week. But we really won't even know for sure what's going on until another week after that, to be honest. I mean, the, the, the pandemic has been with us for so many months now. It's been, you know, everything that we've talked about, day in and day out for, you know, what, about 10 months at this point. Uh, Why does it seem as if we're backsliding particularly hard right now? I mean, you you mentioned this this focus on even small social gatherings and the roles that that, that those have been playing in in some of this in some of the latest surge numbers that we're seeing. But I mean, why is it that we can't seem to get our heads around you know, whether it's good behavior or what, I mean, there's, there's only so much that an individual person can do. I guess my question is, why is it that this seems so particularly pronounced right now? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. And I think it's, it's a whole, you know, I hate to say the whole, it's a whole bunch of factors. Um, But one of the really big factors that is remarkable about this time around is that we're seeing the surge happen in all corners of the United States all at once. Um, and as for why that's happening, again, there are multiple explanations. Um, you know, some of it is seasonal, some of it is just maybe the nature of this virus, things we don't understand. Um, but just it's for whatever reason, it's all over the country right now. Um, and even though the Bay Area has done largely a pretty good job of keeping things contained, you know, or at least at a level where we could kind of live with it and not not have it be, you know, a horrible drain on our resources. Um not see the levels kind of climbing like they are now, you know, at some point when you get this much virus all over the country, it's just, it's just going to start kind of filling up in the community, right? Like you're just going to have it be like, there's that much more virus around. And so things that a month ago 
weren't too risky. Um, and that could even be, you know, people had started maybe having friends over and having a drink in the backyard or, you know, just sort of like loosening their guard a little bit. I think a lot of us were doing that. I know I was doing some of that. Um, you know, things that maybe we kind of weren't supposed to be doing, but it wasn't that big of a deal because just there wasn't that much virus in the community. But now those things, even things like, you know, shopping and and outdoor dining and things that like had been okay for a little while you know the more these aren't risk-free things and the more virus there is out there the higher the higher these levels get the more cases we see the riskier everything becomes and it just sort of starts folding in on itself if that makes sense you see this sort of exponential increase and it's once it kind of gets gets up there it's really really hard to then make that stop and even stabilize. Yeah, I wonder too, maybe this isn't so much of a problem in the Bay Area as much as other places around the country, but you know, it's it's winter time now. What was easier to do outside or feasible to do outside? I, I guess I'm thinking of things like some recreation activities or, you know, just the, the ease of of moving around that warmer, uh, uh, warmer months provide. I wonder if that uh, is driving more people inside. If, if, if uh, any health experts that you've talked to have seen that, you know, this just seasonal weather change as, as a particular driver of these behavioral changes or, or behavioral modifications that may be that may be contributing to the spread. That's definitely a factor. Um, it's already been a factor, um, especially like you said, in other parts of the country. I think frankly, the time change too, right? Like when it's dark at 4.30 or 5, people aren't, you know, it used to be, I can't, I even say this myself, like I, you know, would meet a coworker for a beer, you know, a couple times a month in the backyard um, after deadline. And, you know, that was just a way to kind of socialize, but that's just off the table now. It's dark, it's weird, it's kind of, chilly. It's just not really a thing you do anymore. Um, and we're seeing that even in the Bay Area. But I think the big fear is, frankly, that that's already become an issue just with it getting chillier and a little bit darker. But once winter really sets in, right, and it's like raining, it starts snowing in, in you know, most parts of the country or a great part of the country. And it's just not as it just sort of people don't really want to go outside, but you just can't that's going to be when we really potentially see a big problem here. So I think the concern is that we are already seeing that being in effect, and it's just going to become way more pronounced as winter really sets in. All right, stay with us. We'll take a quick break now and be right back to talk more with Aaron Alday after this. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. So, Aaron, I want to talk uh, for a moment about healthcare workers. Um, this is, you know, this is yet another go around for them. You know, where we are talking about hospitals potentially becoming overwhelmed. Uh, how are healthcare workers responding to this latest surge, and how are they faring in general? You know, this far into things, having been on the front lines, as it were, this far in. Uh, you know, they're they're hanging in there, but they're definitely feeling it. Um, they're feeling burned out um, and they're feeling, you know, the the effects of that, which I think most of us are familiar with what that kind of feels like. Just that that, you know, really extreme fatigue, that emotional fatigue, the physical fatigue, um, the stress, um, you know, people that I've talked to say they, they get mood swings. Right. And they feel fine one day and then not great the next day. Um, and just have trouble sleeping. I mean, it just affects your whole body and your whole kind of emotional well-being when you're in 
what what they've been de- dealing with is 10 months of just this kind of high vigilance, hypervigilance state. Um, and I think anybody who has experience with with that kind of stress state, you know, you imagine how it feels to live with that kind of stress for a few days. And just imagine that you've been in that place for months. Um, and so even though we haven't had a surge and we haven't had our hospitals be overwhelmed, they've been in this hypervigilant state for 10 months now. And that's definitely wearing them down. And that's on top of the fact that their work structure has changed so dramatically. One of the things that I think people aren't aware of is what it's like to work, you know, an 8 to 10 to 12 hour shift in full PPE, right? Like where you have that N95 on, which is kind, which is hard to breathe on. I mean, people, you know, sort of complain about wearing masks, face coverings just out in public. And, you know, it can be a little annoying, but the N95s are actually, they're not fun to breathe in. Like it actually can impact <laughs> your breathing. And they're wearing those the entire shift. They're wearing face shields the entire shift. They're wearing gowns and gloves. But the other thing is they can't hug each other. They can't touch each other. They can't even sit in the break room and have a cup of coffee together. Like they have rules where it's like one person in the break room at a time because that's when people get infected is when they drop their guard and they, you know, have to take off that N95 to have that drink of coffee. And if someone's in their the room with them and they're having the coffee together, then that's how people get infected. Um, And so just imagine, you know, you're in work and you're in this really high pressure situation. You're in an emergency room where there's just sort of a lot of day-to-day stress anyway, even without pandemic situation. And they really lean hard on each other for that kind of emotional support. And just, you know, having that, that coffee break, like having a coworker to like cry in the hallway with when you've had a really tough case, like all of these kind of situations are really key to keeping, maintaining their emotional health. And they just can't have that the same way again. And all of these things are just, they've been going on for months and months and months. And they are, everybody I talk to is just, they're they are exhausted. And now they're thinking, well, this next, you know, four to five weeks could be, you know, the worst of all. This could be when we finally get that surge. And, you know, we're already at this this really kind of high stress um, exhaustion point. So So people are, you know, they're not, like I said, they're doing their best and they, you know, I know that they're going to 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 pull this off, but you do worry about how their kind of mental health and emotional health is holding up in the long run. Man. So I know it, it can feel like a really long time away right now, um, but but thinking about the upcoming presidential transition, um, it's obviously there are a number of things that President-elect Biden is going to be doing differently. But I mean, he's you know going to be taking office in January. Are, what, what are some of the first things you think that he needs to be doing or is pledged to do by the if by that time we are you know in the middle of this this dark winter, so to speak? Well, he's already pledged right from day one to rejoin the World Health Organization um, and, you know, kind of start working on that sort of international kind of level with with the pandemic. I think more domestically, you know, he's already got this task force together. Um, I've spoken with a couple of the members and, and, you know, they're already trying to put together, you know, get get a sense of what the sort of supply chain looks like, already talking about vaccine distribution, what that might look like, sort of put all you know, get as collect as much information as they can and put all the kind of key players in the right positions so that when January 20th arrives, they can, you know, be ready to launch on that stuff. So, you know, for him, there's not necessarily a lot he can do about this current surge, of course. I mean, there really isn't anything he can do um, other than just sort of speak out, you know, tell people from, you know, his place of authority now or, or presumed place of authority um, in January. 
you know, to, to wear the face coverings, to, to not do the holiday gathering, those kind of things. So he's doing the messaging, but there's not actually anything official he can do. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's really hard to say where the pandemic's going to be by mid-January. I mean, I think most of the folks I talk to think that uh, things are going to be really bad through the winter, um, like December and the first couple weeks of January. But as a society, we tend to hunker down anyway after New Year's. <laughs> like that's just sort of the way our our cycle goes. So there's a very good chance that following, you know, the start of the year, people are just going to kind of hole up and and quiet down anyway. Um, it's just, you know, after the holidays, after the new year, that's what we do. And so we'll probably, there's a very good chance we'll be seeing a pretty big drop in cases through January and February. So I don't know that there's going to be much for him to do on that front. I think he's probably going to be very vaccine, very, very focused on the vaccine distribution. Mm. Last question for you. There's always so much information, so much data for people to sort through as they try to, you know, understand the world as it relates to this pandemic. But tell us, you know, the one or two or three things that in the next couple of weeks, as we, you know, try to measure and understand the the effects of when we see the effects of of the holiday season and whether people, you know, were traveling and were getting together, and as we brace for this, you know potentially worst yet surge. What are some of the data points and what are some of the numbers that you and, and everybody else should be focused on? Well, I think in throughout December, probably the key metric for me is going to be watching the hospitalizations because certainly, you know, that's what we're all really worried about is that there could be really for the first time extreme pressure put on our local hospitals. Uh, we already have, I think, two counties, Solano and Santa Clara, that are at peak hospital numbers now. Um, so that's even before the Thanksgiving cases roll in. Um, they've certainly already, you know, alerted people that we may that they may hit capacity in a couple weeks if things go on as they have been. Um, so I'm going to be watching those very carefully, um, not just those two counties, but the whole Bay Area and the state, because the truth is in the state, you know, if we get other counties start filling up um, their hospitals you know, we may see some pressure put on our counties from patients being transferred. Um, so we're all kind of connected in that sense. So I'll be watching that most closely, um, probably. And then, you know, as always, the cases, the cases are going to be a little bit hard to use for the next week to week and a half, because there's going to be some weird reporting from the Thanksgiving, you know, the long Thanksgiving kind of holiday. So between people not getting tested, you know, and then after the holiday, probably getting tested left and right, um, and then just reporting legs based on counties, you know, when they report things, when they don't, we might see like an actual drop in the next couple of days. And then we might see a huge spike as things get caught up. Um, so those are going to be a little bit hard to use for tracking purposes for probably the next week or so. And then after that, once things shake out, probably within, you know, a week and a half to two weeks is when we might start seeing that kind of really seeing that Thanksgiving effect reflected in the numbers. Um, so I'll be looking at, at that for sure. And then the other things just, you know, test positive rates. Um, we'll also be looking at deaths at some point, but that's those usually lag um, about a month or so behind everything else. Aaron, thanks so much. Thanks for all the work you do. Thanks for talking with us today. Thanks for having me, Dom. Our thanks to Chronicle staff writer Aaron Alday, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and of course, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time.